Okay, that's okay. That's, we're just going to say, Holy Spirit fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. I'm not complaining. Consuming fire. Fiery love. That's agape love, right? Fierce love. Amazing love. So last week, that's what we talked about. We talked about God's love for us. We talked about this amazing agape love. Amazing. You don't have to feel it in order for it to be true. I already said that. I just feel like I need to say that again. It is true. I'm going to share many, many testimony. I have to start this way. I shared it last week. I'm going to share it again. A woman, beautiful woman, her name's Linda. Linda taught me something. She came to me the first time I saw her, and she said, Cindy, I haven't experienced the love of God. I haven't experienced it. And she says, I so want the revelation of God's love. She had a very deep walk with God, a very deep relationship with God, but she had never experienced the love of God. And I shared with her what I'm sharing with you right now. Put on those love songs. Let God love you. Get scriptures about love. Start meditating on them. Feed your heart with the truth of his love. About a month later, she came in. It was on a Monday night. She came in, and she was just overwhelmed with joy. She was like she was on a, 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 a high with God. And the reason was because God had given her a revelation of his love. And this is how it happened. She said, Cindy, I chose to believe it. I've read it in the word. I decided the word is true. I'm going to choose to believe it. And she said, when I made the choice, just a simple choice to say, okay, God, I believe you. I believe in your amazing agape love. I choose to believe it. And she said, the revelation just opened up. Her heart just opened up. She says, I still haven't had that tangible experience, but I have a revelation of its love. That night, after the meeting, we were laying hands on her and praying for her. And as soon as we laid hands on her, the Holy Spirit just fell. And she experienced the tangible love of God. So first she chose to believe it. Then she experienced it. In her, in her heart, in her body, in her, in her flesh. Then she experienced it. His agape love must be demonstrated. Last week we talked about the demonstration of his love in lots of different ways. We talked about his compassion for the lost, his compassion for the sick, his compassion for the sinners, his compassion for the tax collectors, for the prostitutes, for the, the thief on the cross next to him. We talked about the compassion of Christ for all. And, and, and the word compassion, I'm kind of taking this first part of my, my, my teaching and just kind of paraphrasing it, and then we'll move on. The definition for compassion is literally the innermost being of your person. And back when the scripture was written, they, they, they felt that the most inner part of the body was the bowels. So the word compassion is the same word as the word for bowels. The very most inner part of our being is the seat of sympathy, the seat of pity, the seat of compassion. But it's not just a feeling because along with that intense feeling in the gut, that intense feeling in the inner person is a desire to do something to help. That's the difference between what I call sympathy and compassion. There's a big difference. Sympathy often agrees with you with the problem and feels bad. 
and, and maybe talks about the problem with you. But compassion wants to do something about it. Compassion is biblical. Compassion is bold. My desire as a, as a minister of healing is to flow with heartfelt compassion that wants to do something about it. That's why I'm standing here teaching. That's why Kent and I are called into the ministry of healing. Because not only was I healed, we want to share that good news every chance we get. Praise you, Jesus. So compassion is this inner, deep awareness of the suffering and the needs of others, but it's coupled with the desire to relieve it. So Jesus said to us in that scripture I've already referred to, John 13, 14, he said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, that's agape love. In the same way I have loved you, you should love each other. Once again, agape love is an intense love that must be demonstrated. It is loyal, endless, unconditional, sacrificial, and selfless. It is fiery, it is burning, it is fierce, it is consuming. Jesus said we are to love in that same way. So that leads me to part two of this teaching, which has to do with ministry. And I, I just want to preface this teaching. Pat, you already kind of, kind of introduced it in your way when you, when you prayed, because we're, you're all here at a different place. Some of you are here seeking healing for your own bodies. Some of you are here learning and growing and being fed and fueled. Some of you are here to minister to others. But no matter where you are on your journey, I want you to know that this is integral. This command of Jesus to love others in the same way that you have been loved is according to Pastor Tim, and I highly esteem Pastor Tim, it is an integral tool in both being a healer and receiving healing. Loving others as you have been loved, having compassion for others is integral in receiving your own healing and in giving. So, Agape love and compassion in ministry. I love this definition of ministry. It's so true, or it should be true. Ministry is a continual flow of the manifestation of the love and compassion of God. It expresses God's love. Ministry can only flow out of relationship with God. Otherwise, it's uh, an act. If, if I, I, when I was going through Karis Bible College, this was just expressed over and over through many of the teachers that ministry flows out of your relationship with God. And if you don't have that personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with him, there's no way that that agape love is going to flow through you because you take in the love of God, receive his word, receive whatever he's giving you, and that's when it can flow out of you. But it has to be in you to flow out of you. John, I'm sorry, 1 John 4, 19 says, our love for others is our grateful response to the love that God first demonstrated us. That word is, you can put an equal sign in there. I taught that when I was a first grade teacher. 
Whenever you see the word is, you can put an equal sign in there, like two plus two is four, two plus two equals four. Take that word is out, put an equal sign. Our love for others is equal to our response to the love that God first demonstrated to us. We're called not only to be loved by God, but also to be love to others. And Jesus said that in John 13, 35. He said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Our love is evidence that we're the disciples of Christ. So this compassion, this love, this agape love, this compassion moves us to action. Pastor Tim has taught me something, and I've, I've taken this, I've remembered it, and it's, it's been very impactful to me. He taught us that when you sense that compassion, and it is like the word says, it's this thing in your gut, in your bowel, in your very innermost being that just is stirred. There's this deep, deep compassion. When, that you, we, when you feel that compassion, when that rises up in your belly, that is a powerful time to reach out and minister. Because there is, remember last week when we talked about um, um, love works through, I'm sorry, faith works through love. Faith is operative Faith is energized through agape love, through knowing the love of God. Well, that's what that compassion is. It's that intense love, that intense caring rising up inside of you, and faith is stimulated. So when that compassion rises up so strong, faith is stimulated. I'm even going to go so far as to say I believe that the gift of faith is released with that deep, deep compassion. And the gift of faith is a gift of the Spirit. And along with the gift of faith is the miracles that go with it, the healings that go with it. So when that compassion is stirred, if you experience it, don't let it go to waste. Because along with compassion is action. That's what we saw in Jesus, our teacher. In my season of healing that I've just gone through, there have been two areas that I have, I have experienced a new kind of compassion, a new degree of compassion. And one of them is with people that um, are coming for prayer that have chronic pain or they have ongoing pain. There's something that rises up in me and it's like this holy anger against that pain, against that, that thief, the, the, the enemy that is hurting the people, and the people are, are just doing everything in their, in their um, uh, own ability to believe and receive, and yet that stupid pain gets in the way, and it makes me angry, and I have something rise up in me, and with a holy, holy anger, but also a holy um, uh, compassion that cares and what do I do? I reach out and I pray and I speak to that pain and I tell it to leave. And I have seen powerful results, instantaneous results, more than I had before. And I believe it's that compassion. The other area where that compassion has increased is people that are going through either cancer or treatment for cancer. 
the same compassion. I just see in their eyes. I, there was a woman there last night, and I could just see in her eyes. Um, she's in the middle of a, a, a treatment plan. And it's not that she's having a hard time. She's doing well. But that compassion just rose up in me to come alongside her, to encourage her, to agree with her, and to speak in faith with her and agree with God for that finished work of Christ to see her body completely healed, completely set free from cancer. So when that happens to you, I'm, I just want to share because you have the same thing. Compassion will rise up in your belly. And when it does, it's, a, it's, a, it's like God speaking. It's his voice saying, reach out, take action, and just watch what I'm going to do. So compassion stimulates faith to receive, but it also stimulates faith to give. And that's where I want to just zero in on this foundational scripture today. This is Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8. This is an awesome scripture. In this scripture, Jesus is commissioning his 12 apostles to go ahead of him and to start to um, take the kingdom news to the people. And this is what he tells them. He says, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. And then he gives all of those amazing things. He tells us we've received and now we are to give them. Because that's not just for the apostles. I take that scripture. I take that commission. He commissioned the apostles in this scripture. But he commissioned 70, a chapter later in scripture. And after he died and paid the price for our salvation... Then he commissioned all of us. So that's our commission as well. Now here's a point I want to make, and it's in your, on your paper, in a box, it's really important. And that is that both receiving and giving are active. They're not passive. I've taught on active faith in the past, but I want to just give you a little bit of a reminder because it's important. Receiving is not passive. Many times we feel like it is because the word receive sounds kind of passive. Like, okay, the receiving part is, is just sitting back and knowing that God's already finished it. I'm just going to sit here and receive it passively. Nothing's going to happen if you are passive in your faith. God has given us a free will to believe and receive. That word receive actually can be better translated take. Even better, past tense, freely I have taken. Freely I give. So let's start with the first part of this, this underlined portion. Let's look at the receiving and how we actively receive. And then we'll look at actively giving. I want to start with Hosea 4.6. You may want to take, not yet, but in a minute, you may want to take a screenshot of this screen because what you'll see here is Hosea 4.6 from the New King James, and I'm going to read it and talk about it in just a minute. And then I'm going to paraphrase it, Cindy's version, in a very positive light. I'm just going to reverse it in a way that it's still absolute truth, but I'm going to make it positive instead of the negative as it's written in New King James. And then we'll talk about the why 
So listen to this. We're talking about receiving knowledge, taking knowledge. Scripture says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. That's kind of a harsh word. The word says, that basically what it's saying is that people are destroyed. Destroyed means broken down. It's almost like there is a building, an old building, maybe a barn, that is being de deconstructed, taken apart, taken down. That's what that word means. My people are destroyed, deconstructed, taken apart with a lack of knowledge. And that word knowledge isn't head knowledge. That word knowledge is experiential knowledge. Knowing the word, letting it take up residence in your heart, choosing to believe it, experiencing the results of the word, all of that is, builds knowledge. But if, if, if you're not choosing to believe, if you're not feeding your soul, if you're not letting the word and the agape love in, if you have a hardness, then you're going to be destroyed. And then it says, or you reject knowledge. That's what's happening in the world, guys. God is the Lord of the United States of America, right? This nation was founded under God. We're one nation under God, right? But that's being rejected in the world. It says here, because you've rejected my knowledge, I'm going to reject you as being a priest for me. Being a priest, we are called to be priests and kings as children of God. But we need to accept the calling and step into it with our authority and the power that God's given us. But Hosea, this is a prophetic word, and I think it's prophetic not just for back then, but for the people today. They're destroyed. They're being broken down. They're being pulled apart. They're being deconstructed. But now I want to give you the next version where I've just reversed it into the positive because this is also truth. My people are restored with knowledge. And that word restored means built up. Instead of being all broken apart, being restored, being built back up. Because you've received my knowledge. Because like my friend Linda who got the revelation of the agape love, she chose to receive it even though she hadn't yet experienced it physically or tangibly. She chose to believe it. She chose to receive it. Because you've received my knowledge, I'll receive you into my royal priesthood. And when we step into that role of a priest, that's where the power and authority to break off sickness, to say no to fear, to say no to pain, to say no to whatever the stupid thief's purpose is, which is only activated through deception and buying the lie, because he's a defeated foe. When we step into the royal priesthood, we can live the abundant life that Jesus gave us. We can be overcomers that God has called us to be. Because you've remembered the law, and when you see the word law in the old covenant, 
I, I think of the word. Because you've remembered the word of the Lord, the testimony of Jesus. Because you've remembered, I also will remember your children. So let's talk about receiving the knowledge because it's important. The first thing that I would like to do is talk about, we're talking about actively taking it because it's not passive, it's active. And I believe one of the first things we need to do to actively receive is to position ourselves in an environment for receiving knowledge. You're in one right now. You have made the choice to come to healing school on Tuesday night. You have positioned yourself in a place to receive. But there are some other things I'd like to share with you as well. The first one is a mentor. Mentor is so powerful. A spiritual mentor, somebody who, is, who can sharpen you. Iron sharpens iron. No matter where you're at, whether you're a baby Christian, whether you're a mature Christian, we all need to have somebody that we can go to that will hold us accountable, that will, that will um, encourage us, that will speak life, that often will be bold and speak into us when we need somebody to speak into our lives. Um, and at the beginning of my journey, my mentor was Jenny, the woman who led me to the Lord. Later on, my, my, um, my mentor was Pastor Tim. He mentored me through growing in the ministry of healing for years and years and years. And then when he was ready, he passed the baton to Kent and I. My mentor now, along with Pastor Tim, he's still my mentor, but an, another mentor in my life is Pastor Fran Veers, a very strong, powerful woman of God. And she is the one that I call often. And I don't just call her for prayer. I call her um, uh, when I need direction, when I'm making a decision, I call a spiritual mentor. Now, here's what's important on your part. To form that bond, ask. You need somebody. It might be your spouse, and that's great if it is. I know Kelly and Nathan, strong spiritual couple. Kim and Dan, same thing. It might not be your spouse. It might be your sister. I have sisters right here, friends. It might be a friend. There's another couple right there. It, it doesn't matter who it is, but you really need somebody. One of the things that we provide for you is a list of phone numbers. If there is nobody, if you don't have somebody that you can call, call us. That's what we put our numbers there for. We are there to answer your questions. We are there to stand with you in faith. But here's your role. You need to ask. You need to call. You need to take that step to go to your mentor, to go to that person when you're in a time of crisis or a time of need, or maybe it's a time of rejoicing, or maybe it's a time of celebration. But whatever it is, you need to take the step to make the connection. We can't do that for you, but you can do it for yourself. So establish a spiritual mentor, number one. Number two, a small group. Small groups are awesome. A small group is an environment for not only fellowship. Fellowship is important, but it's a family. It becomes a family where people care one for the other. They want to walk with you. If it's a, if it's a good small group, they want to walk with you in your journey, 
encouraging you, standing in faith with you, praying the prayer of agreement with you and for you. When I was um, first in my um, first journey of healing, I had a very small group. There were maybe six of us. It was at Life Christian. Minister Lean was our leader. That was my lifeline. That small group was my lifeline. Every week when I went to that meeting, I would give them my need for the week. Now, I wasn't... Um, uh, talking the problem. That's not what I was doing. I learned very quickly not to do that. But I was telling them the need I had for the week. Maybe it was a PET scan that week. Maybe it was a doctor appointment. Maybe it was a, a pain in my body that I was having a hard time with. But whatever it was, that one thing, I would go to my small group and they would walk with me through it. They were my family. When you go to church, that's going to be number three and it is important. But when you go to church, that's not the environment. It is a teaching environment. You can't ask questions during the middle of a church service. And very rarely are you going to have that, that, that group of people that surround you and walk with you in your journey at church. Small group is the great environment for that. Even though this is a pretty big small group, I would still consider it similar to a small group because we have a lot of ministers here who are at, on a, a just a heart level, friend level, fellowship level, family level, servant heart level. And that's what we want to do. And, and that's why I always say at 8.30 when we end the, the meeting, we're here as long as you're here. We're here at 6 o'clock. And many of you come at 6.30 or so. We're here, and as soon as people walk through that door, we're with you. We're not somewhere else. We're here with you. We want to be. So it has that small group environment, even though it is kind of a different kind of a small group. So that's number two. The third level of this environment for receiving knowledge is church. Church is important. The Bible says don't forsake the gathering together of believers. And yet the stupid COVID has destroyed a lot of people's church going. And it's kind of become easy to sit at home on Sunday and not go out and watch church on TV. But it's not the same. I believe church is very important. There's something about corporate worship. There's something about the word going forth. I told these ladies tonight, I said, please don't sit back there. And this is why. There's an anointing in the word. And when you are closer to that anointing, you're going you're gonna to be more um, connected. That's why these front rows, that's, Lisa's always in the front row. Yeah. And I'm the same way. I mean, I'm, a, I'm not usually a front row girl, but I'm close to the front because I want to be there, full attention without distractions. The closer you are, the easier that is. Okay, now I'm going to say something, and I don't want to offend anybody, but I have to say this, and I'm going to read it from my notes because I, I want to say it tactfully <laughs> actively attend a church that means to actually go to church actively attend a church whose doctrinal beliefs and actions agree with God's word because there are so many churches that literally don't agree with the word of God when I was in my healing journey uh, my first healing journey I was uh, coming out of a doctrine, uh, dominational, denominational church. And I was so, um, it, it was my uh, comfort level, and I loved my church. I loved the, um, 
the uh, routine of it, the ritual of it, the, the, the feel. I loved it. But they weren't teaching me the truth. They were teaching, and the scripture says this. I don't know where, but it says this at least twice in scripture. It says, you're teaching as doctrine of God what is really tradition of man. And the, the problem was I wasn't receiving the truth about healing. And I was in a, a situation where it was life or death. I needed the truth about healing. So I made the decision at that point to go to my church, my denominational church on Saturday and my spirit-filled believing church on Sunday. Sorry, my phone's ringing. It's my sister. <laughs> and, um, and, and then at the right time, God released me from the denominational church, and then I stepped completely into the spirit-filled, alive, living church that taught the full gospel and the truth. I'm not telling you to leave your church, but I am saying if you are in a, a healing, need for healing, it can be confusing. If you're hearing one teaching that isn't in agreement with what you're hearing here, which is scriptural, or what you're hearing in a spirit-filled church. It can be confusing. So I'm just putting that out there. So an environment for healing. Now, once you place yourself at an, in that environment, you still have an active role to take. The first part of your active role is to be teachable. Because you, I'm looking at you guys, Kelly and Nathan, you know the word, you love the word. It is in you. You know more word than I probably ever thought of knowing. And yet, you're teachable. You're here, you're open. Just because you have knowledge, just because you even have an amazing relationship with the Lord, doesn't mean that he doesn't want to stir your heart. Get in there and move in a new way. Reveal something deeper or firmer or just reawaken it, whatever. But we can become calloused. One of the warning signals that I hear, and I hear it too often, but one of the warning signals I hear is when people, when I start to share something, a word, or I pray over them a scripture or whatever, and they almost like, I already know that. They almost push me away. I know that. I know that. And they probably do know it, and that's good that they know it. But we need to be teachable. One of the things that I believe God did for me, and this was all Holy Spirit, this wasn't me, this wasn't Superstar Cindy, it was God. But what he did for me during my journey was he loved me with his word. It was the same word. I've been teaching healing for 17 years, 18 years. Most of the scripture that I was meditating on was word that I knew inside out and backwards. But that word just minister to me, loved me, just tenderly carried me and built me up and built me up and built me up and built me up. But I believe it's because I was meek. The Bible word for, for being teachable is meek. Blessed are the meek. And I don't remember the rest of the beatitude. But it is important to be meek, to be humble, to be teachable. I'm going to read to you James chapter 1, verse 21, and it talks about this meekness or humility. The first part of the scripture I'm not going to focus on. I'm going to focus on the second part, but I am going to read the whole thing. The word says, 
Get rid of all uncleanness and the rampant outgrowth of wickedness. And in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome the word. Receive, that's an active word, take it. Receive and welcome the word, which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your souls. 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I desire above all things that you are in health and that you prosper in all things, even as your soul prospers. This scripture says that when we receive and welcome the word, our soul will prosper. Our soul is the middleman. I've, I've talked about this so many times. In the spiritual realm, healing is our inheritance. But we haven't yet Many of us haven't yet seen it in the flesh. Your soul is the pivot point. When your soul is in agreement with what is yours in the spirit, then your flesh has to follow suit. So when we welcome and receive the word and let it become more deeply and firmly established, our soul is saved. Our soul is prospered. Our soul is ministered to. In the message, the same scripture says, so throw off all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. I would even go so far as to say that hardness of heart could be cancerous evil. One of the enemy's tactics, I already know that. Throw it off. In simple humility, let our gardener, God, landscape you with the word, making a salvation garden of your life. That would be a wonderful one to meditate on. Talk to God about, draw in your journal. I'll have to do that one. So if you're not sure, if you're open, if you're not sure, maybe you are one of those people who kind of has been in a place of maybe a little bit of complacency. I know I've been there, where it's like, it's just kind of a dry season. I know God, I love God. I don't want that ever to be my heart. But if you're there, ask Father God to open the eyes of your heart anew and afresh to the truth and ask him to deepen the revelation of his word in your heart. So that's the first thing, be teachable. The second is to ask questions. It's okay to ask questions. God's a really good father. I want my kids to come to me with their questions. I want them to have deep conversations with me, and so does God. Ask questions. Go to God, ask questions. Ask questions here. Ask questions to the mentor that, that is your close friend or your close confidant. I remember asking so many questions. I had so many questions. I had to write them down because I had so many. They were coming constantly when I was first in my journey of healing. And I took every one of those questions to my mentor. And she opened her Bible to answer those questions for me. Yes. Ask your questions. And the third point here is to, um, to talk about what you're learning. Pat, you already referred to this. You say, I always take one of these sheets and I give it to my sister. When you talk about what you're learning, it's like putting Miracle Grow on the seed. 
So the seed is getting sown right now as we talk about this. The seed's going in, it's getting sown. When you talk about it, it's like miracle growing it. It gets deeper in there and deeper and deeper and deeper. That's one of the benefits of being a teacher because I talk about it a lot, right? And it, what happens in me, it gets deeper and deeper and deeper every time I talk about it. So talk about it. I recommend you take those sheets home every week and call your friend, call your sister, call whoever it is and say, and just start talking about it. You'll ha you don't have to talk about every detail, but take, pick something from there and just start chatting about it and watch what happens because the Holy Spirit loves it. He like starts to breathe in you, through you, and the conversation just opens up. Have you had that happen before? Now, I'm gonna give you a little bit of warning here too. Sometimes the opposite happens. Sometimes you get the person that says, that's nice, conversation closed. Don't go to that person again. Don't cast your pearls to the swine. Find somebody who is excited like you are and talk about it and watch what happens. It's like a wildfire just starts and you're feeding your own soul. So those are ways to actively receive with the environment of healing and with your, the way that you're receiving. I want to point to one more truth, and I'm only going to just touch on this because I did a whole teaching on this already, and that is your active role in your relationship with God one-on-one. -on -one. I can't teach this without talking about your, your personal relationship with God. I'm only going to read one scripture. It's Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22, and this is what he says. God says to you and to me, he says, listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you. I mean, right there, we could just stop right there. Holy Spirit teaches us. God himself teaches us. And he wants us to pay attention and listen. Pay attention to all I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then, as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. I did a teaching called The Wonderful Word of God a couple of months ago, and it was focused on that word and that scripture and meditation on the word of God. So you might want to go back and listen to that. But I want to move ahead now because I want to go back to that foundational scripture from Matthew. I'm going to read it again. Jesus says to us, as you go, preach. So where are you going? Are you going to the store? Are you going to uh, your, your parents' house? Are you going up north? Are you going to healing school on Tuesday night? Are you going to church on Sunday? Are you going uh, to work? God says, as you go give. As you go, heal the sick. As you go, raise the dead. As you go, lay hands on the people. He wants us to have an as-you-go ministry, wherever we go. And then it ends with, freely you've received, freely give. So let's talk about the freely giving part. I believe, and this is Pastor Tim's 
nugget. I believe that there is a direct connection between the receiving and the giving. And you don't have to wait until you have the final good report to give. Because in little tiny ways, you can be a light in the midst of your journey. Nathan and Kelly, you are a perfect example of that. You're so loved. I mean, I've told Nathan, I'm just gonna say it out loud, he's the teacher's pet. <laughs> I love Nathan and Kelly. I love all of you. But these guys, I mean, in the midst of everything they do, everything they're going through, in this stupid battle that they're in, they do it with a smile on their face. They do it with believing and believing and believing and believing and believing. And they never waver. They have supernatural joy. Absolutely supernatural joy. That's freely receiving and freely giving. And there's so many ways, and I'm going to read scripture that show there's so many ways to freely give. But I do want to say something else. Because that giving doesn't mean that you have to be out there having a, a you know, preaching and, and walking the streets, although they do that. They go walk the streets. They walk the malls and they stop and pray for people. But um, that, I'm not saying that that's required. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you more examples later. But I do want to say this. The first, my first journey of healing, I had an instance where I tried to reach out and do very strong, bold ministry. And it backfired. It backfired. And what happened with me was that the woman rejected the knowledge. And she basically said to me, do you really believe you're going to be healed? Her husband was also diagnosed with melanoma. I, at the same time I was diagnosed with melanoma, I had really good news to share with her. And she rejected it. And what it did for me was the enemy did, I wasn't, I wasn't where I am now. And the enemy took it and kind of reversed it and said, well, maybe I should be listening to her instead of her listening to me. And I was consumed with fear, absolutely consumed. My mentor told me, she said, Cindy, this isn't the time for you to be reaching out and telling other people about healing. This is the time for you to receive, for you to meditate on the word, for you to develop your personal relationship with God. So even though I'm teaching this teaching, I, wanna, I want to, you to know that God will meet you right where you're at. And don't feel like this is connected and you won't get healed if you don't give. That's, a, that's not what I'm saying at all. And I just want to make sure that that's clear. I will let you know that years, her husband died. But years later, I was able to minister to that woman. I led her to the Lord. She was a woman that lived in constant fear. And not only fear, she was just not a nice person to be around. She, people kind of stayed away from her. She changed. She was a new woman. She joined our, our healing Bible, I mean, not a healing Bible study, but our, our school study. We had a Bible study in my school. She joined that. She became a new woman. So at the right time, I was able to minister the word and minister Jesus to her. It just was a, it wasn't then, but it did happen. So, I'd like to take just a pause, just a short pause. And I would like to 
go with you to God in prayer and ask him to remind you what you've received. Whether you've received the end result of the healing that you're believing for or not, I want you to just ask God, what have, what have I received? It might be supernatural joy, supernatural peace. It might be a healing. It might be a part of a healing. I know when I was going through my healing journey, I saw pieces of healing throughout the journey until I got the doctor's final report. It might be um, a relationship has been restored or a forgiveness. It might be a, a hard telling because God is just working so, so radically in all of your lives. But what I would like you to do, if you have a pen and you've got a paper in front of you, just write a list. You don't have to write a journal entry, but just a list. We're going to ask God to help you remember what you've received from him recently. So I'm going to just start with prayer. Father, here we are, listening to your word, feeding our souls, letting the seed of your word come into our hearts. And you have commissioned us as your children to freely receive and to freely give. Father, will you open the eyes of our heart right now and remind us of what we have freely received in this season of our lives. So here we go. I want to encourage you today to take that list and be a witness for Jesus. That witness might be word spoken. That witness might be sharing what God has done in your life. But that witness might just be the joy shining out of you or the smile on your face, or like Pat, leading Bible studies, or like you, Flo, talking to your sisters and telling them all the good stuff that you've experienced. But whatever it is, be bold. Be that witness for Jesus. Listen to this scripture, 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Yeah. So that's who you are. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Take that one and, and soak in it for a bit. You are in the role of a priest. And we are called to proclaim him to proclaim praises to him who rescued us out of the dark and into the light. That's a great conversation right there. How you were and how you are. Rescued out of that darkness and now you're in this light. That's a wonderful way to share. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful are your feet, guys. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who proclaims shalom, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation and what salvation is. And do you know that that, that Hebrew word for salvation is Yeshua? Who proclaims Jesus, who proclaims salvation. Jesus' name, Yeshua, means salvation, deliverance, and victory who proclaims all of that, who says to Zion, and the name Zion, the city Zion, the word means parched place, 
who says to that person who's in that dry place, who's in that, that hurting place, who is in that desperate place, who is in that place of fear, who says to that person, your God reigns. Your God is above that thing. Your God is bigger. Your God is the most high God. Your God, my God, reigns. How beautiful are your feet. As you freely receive and you freely give. Glenn, you do it all the time. You do it all the time. He loves to share testimony, his testimony. We're going to talk about that over the next couple weeks. There is power. That's something you have to share. And even if you don't have a healed knee or healed cancer or healed everything, he's been healed of so much stuff. Even if you don't have those testimonies, the joy of the Lord, the, the, the peace that you're walking through, that's, that's a testimony as well. Glenn. Okay, I want to read one more scripture and then I'm going to wrap up with a couple of stories. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 through 11. Because guys, we're all on the same team. You all have your own giftings, your own nuggets, your own treasures. But all together, we're, we're powerful. Listen to this. Paul's writing. He says, who's Apollos, really? Or who's Paul? Aren't we both just servants through whom you believed our message? Aren't each of us doing the ministry the Lord has assigned to us? I was the one who planted the church, and Apollos came and cared for it, but it was God who caused it to grow. This means the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters, for God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. And then the next, it keeps going. It says, now the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team, but each one will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God, for you are God's cultivated garden, the house he's building. Paul says, God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterward, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders, beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. For no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, which is Jesus Christ. So we're anointed because we have the Holy Spirit in us. But we're all anointed in different areas, in different ways. If it weren't for Kent doing what he's doing, there would, there's probably 25 of you here tonight. There would only be 25 people hearing this message. But because of my husband's gifts, there's going to be hundreds of people hearing this message because of the recording and the website and the, all of that. So we all have our own treasures. We, all ha we have amazing help, hostess, love people, people that are um, just giving so much, Barb and Roseanne and Dale. Their gifts are different, but they're integral to this ministry. We have intercessory prayer. Alice, she's, she got out in the heat today and she, she's not feeling well right now because she doesn't do well with heat. So she's resting tonight. But she's an intercessory prayer warrior. She's also a prophetic, you know, strong in the prophetic. So is Jen Kirshner. Lisa, oh my gosh, she is overflowing with zeal. She's a zealot for Jesus. We need zealots for Jesus. You know, she's our cheerleader. We all have different giftings on this team. Together, oh my gosh, what we do together. And the same is with every one of you. You were on the team. 
We're all on God's team. We all work together. So what I want to share right now, I'm going to share, first of all, um, a revelation that God gave me for me about this very thing that I'm sharing. And this was last week. Ken's going to put up a picture. Last week, we had a boulder wall being built at our house because we had uh, a big, huge, probably 10, 15 hill foot of dirt that was sand. And it was right next, that's our driveway. And on this side of the driveway is our house. You can see, I, I stood in the picture because I wanted you to see the perspective of how tall that wall is and how high this, the property is on the, on the north side of us. And when the, the landscaper came to look at our, our yard, he said, because of the busyness of the season, they couldn't do anything in our yard until September. But he says, that has to be taken care of immediately. So he came with a bulldozer, a little tiny bulldozer, or I don't, maybe it's not a bulldozer. I don't know. One of those tools that picks up boulders and moves them. And he came with that thing. And when he started first to dig out to, to lay those boulders, the whole thing started collapsing. See that tree? That's a big tree. We didn't want that collapsing, especially with our house right there. And, um, and he, he used some choice language. <laughs> and and he was, he, it, it scared him. It was that, it was that easily eroded. But this is what he did. He knows what he's doing. This is what he does for a living. He was a master. And very slowly and very carefully, he started laying that foundation. And he could pick the right boulder with the right shape. And I have another video. It was pretty amazing. How he could pick that thing up and put it right where it needed to be and scoot it a little bit and pat it down a little bit and squish it in there until it was solid. It took two days to build that wall. And that thing is so sturdy and so solid. So I was seeing all that going on outside. And then this is what God spoke to me. And this is, this is what I'm talking about. Freely receive and freely give. God showed me that I am like that guy, that landscaper. I'm a master at building foundational walls in God's people. So they come to us, many people come to us like Kim did all those years ago, weak and faltering and ready to collapse. But with the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God, he's gifted me to very tenderly very carefully give the word that you need in season that teaches you the word of God and the truth of God. And then you guys, you grow firm. You grow strong in your walk with God and in your faith. And everything changes. You're strengthened. You're upheld. And the weak become strong. The day that he spoke that to me, I was a basket case. <laughs> I was overwhelmed with awe. But what is it in your heart, in your life, that God has put on your heart? And you're doing the same thing. It might look different, but you're doing the same thing. It might be with your family. It might be with your children. It might be with the people you work with. But the same thing is happening in all of our lives if we take the word if we actively take it and then give it when God gives us that unction. So here are a few simple, short testimonies that happened during my healing journey. They all happened at um, the cancer center that I was at. 
The first one was on October the 15th. This was surgery day. I had a tumor re removed out of my back that day. It was early morning surgery, and then I was in the hospital for the day. It was a God day from start to finish. And I wrote in my journal, I said, ministry encounters are overflowing. That day, you know, um, whenever you have surgery, you, um, uh, it, you don't look your best, right? No makeup allowed, et cetera, et cetera. You guys have never seen me without makeup, and you probably never will. But that day, this is what God said to me. He says, you might feel like you're, you're at your least pretty today, but you are at your most beautiful with the compassion and the love that's flowing through you. Your glory surrounds me. I, I wrote this, God, your glory surrounds me. People see it, they hear it, and they've been so receptive. And that's what happened that day. One thing after another. I journaled it all, and I couldn't share it all because it would be too long. One thing after another. God encountered, God encountered, God encountered, God encountered. I just had surgery. Didn't matter. It, God just opened the heavens, and, and it started flowing. Here's another example. This was on chemo day. This was December the 31st. I was in the midst of chemo. I was on the way at the elevator to, to um, get ready to, to do the chemo treatment. And there was a woman that entered with us. Now, the center that I went to, one of their things that they think is very important is that your caregiver is with you. COVID didn't exist in that place. They would only let one, but they wanted that caregiver there with you. They knew how important it was, and Kent was with me. But when we got on the elevator, there was a woman who was by herself. She was on a scooter wheelchair. I asked her if anyone was with her, and she replied, no. The compassion in my heart just rose up because she was all alone going through this by herself. And I asked her if I could pray with her. Um, she, had a, she was getting off at a different floor than we were, so we got off the elevator at her floor, and we laid hands on her and prayed. And it was Holy Spirit. It was a Holy Spirit moment. His presence just settled, and, and it was just tender and loving. And I wrote, that's just like you, Abba, to step right in to ordain strength and healing. This woman named Teresa needed you, and you met her need. Thank you for letting me be your hands and your heart. That's agape love. Jesus said, to be love, those love as I've loved. And, and it's not you doing it, it's God through you. The next one was on February the 24th. It was another chemo day. On that day, um, my, my doctor revealed to me that he was a Christian. I didn't know it until then. And he, his name is Syed Abu Talib. And with that name, I didn't think he was a Christian. I thought he was Muslim, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think he was Christian. But that day, he shared with me, and I won't go into detail, but he shared with me and revealed that he's Christian. And then there was another doctor that did another procedure, and she also revealed to me that she was a Christian. Same time, same, within 10 minutes of each other. And I wrote in my journal, I said, God, I was, I'm overwhelmed with joy to know that believing doctors are taking care of me. And this is what he responded. He said, yes, my daughter, I wanted you to know with absolute assurance that I'm taking perfect care of you through these doctors my doctors, my staff, they work for me just as you do, ministering healing to so many in spirit and in truth. Just as you love me to make connections for you to minister, the doctors love my God connections too, and they love to walk with you in your healing. And then out of the blue, I heard God say, 
Dr. Abu Talib pleases me greatly. And uh, again, I was like, wow, I gotta tell him. So, and I didn't see him again that trip. The next trip was the trip when I had the PET scan and the um, bone marrow biopsy to, to show my healing. And so I went in after those tests to sit, at, to sit and get the results. And so he's sitting at his computer and Kent and I are on the other side of the desk and he tells us all the good news, all the cancer's resolved, everything's perfect. And he's just excited. And so am I. And Ken and I looked at each other and we're just rejoicing and praising Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. And I said to him, I said, I just want to give you a hug. Well, we're masked up in social distance, so I couldn't give him a hug. But the next thing I said was, Dr. Abu Talib, there's something I want to share with you. And I shared this. I said, the last time I was with you, I felt God very clearly say to me that he's well pleased with you. And he looked at me, just overwhelmed. And he said, there's nothing you could have said that would mean more to me than that. He said, can I hug you? <laughs> and he got up and came around his desk and gave us a big hug. That's the love of God, that he needed that. It affirmed him in what he's doing, in his ministry, in his calling. God, that's what God does. That's what he does. Freely we have received, freely give. Now I'm gonna close with this scripture. This is Mark 16, verse 20. Here's some really good news. It's not us. He, he gives us an as-you-go ministry and he tells us to take action, to give, but listen to this. They went out and they preached everywhere. This was after the Great Commission. This is after Jesus ascended into heaven and the church was beginning. He said, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord kept working with them and confirming the message by the attesting signs and wonders that closely accompanied it. Amen, so be it. That's what happens here. I get to share the word and then God confirms it. When we pray, when we agree together, God confirms it. And it might be through the supernatural joy of the Lord. It might be through the peace of God. It might be through the knee that doesn't hurt anymore. It might be through the healing of liver disease. It might be through whatever, but God does it. God does it. So I just speak over you right now a blessing. Lord, bless your people with vision. Bless them, Lord, to see as you see and to hear your voice and to do what you give them to do, what they see you doing. God, give us that, that uh, clear uh, pathway to give as we have so freely received, whether it is a smile, whether it is a, a pleasant countenance, whether it is reaching out and praying for somebody, whether it's sharing our story, whatever it is, Lord. Thank you that you bless us with the vision and the direction to take those steps. Bless our hands, God, that when we lay hands, it's not us, it's you. Bless our feet, God, that you show us where to go and what steps to take and that you bless those steps. Bless our hearts, Lord, with that kind of compassion that is so deep, so deep, that we can't help but take action. Bless us, Lord, with courage, to take a step out of our comfort zone as you direct us and to reach out and to minister to your people. Bless us, Lord, to be carriers of your gospel, preaching your word, sharing your good news, sharing peace, shalom, 
releasing it, just like Pat said, releasing it wherever we go, in us, in our family, in the people around us, in the world around us. Bless us, Lord. We thank you, God, for calling us to be your chosen ones. And we say yes, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.